KVBL Radio is back. It is Monday. It is draft day. Draft's coming up here in just a couple hours, but today we're not going to talk about the draft. As I was kind of thinking about stuff, uh, I thought an interesting topic would be the trades that people made that maybe they shouldn't have, maybe the ones that they regret. Now, of course, we probably don't need to rehash all of the negativity surrounding some of these deals, but I want to say some of the better GMs in the league have always talked about, sometimes it's about the trades that you don't make that ended up benefiting your team. And it might just be that the league is a lot more active now. Obviously, we've talked enough about the podcast potentially swaying people's beliefs on certain players. But the activity level is clearly, you know, at somewhat of an all-time high for this version. And we've seen so many trades happen in the last couple seasons. And what I wanted to talk about is we've also seen so many trades that have just not been good. Uh, And not been good in the sense that they just didn't necessarily need to happen. And we don't have to go back too far. Uh, you know, there's myself included in, in, a, in a lot of these trades. And I think sometimes it's just a lot of people wanting to have fun and making trades to make trades. But, you know, I'm sure for you on the flip side, we would call some of these trades great, you know, for the team make for the team receiving, you know, like if you want to talk about it being a rape trade. But the point is, is maybe trades that, you know, set people back or were just bad timing, maybe just were bad value. Um, and again, we're not trying to be negative here. This isn't a negative podcast, but it's kind of an illustration of maybe that trades that maybe some people regret because you know what? I'm sure a lot of these people got trades that benefited them. But, you know, being in the day of crazy activity, why not just kind of touch upon them? Uh, the easiest way to do it, since we're doing this completely off the cuff, is to probably talk about, you know, go team by team and just try to reminisce. And this is going to be completely just through my head without any sort of research just because I thought it would kind of be a fun topic. Um, hopefully this doesn't take a negative spin and people freak out about it. But you know what? Myself, I know I got trade happy last season. Maybe it kind of worked out, but did it? You know, I still lost a ton of value on a lot of those deals. Uh, so if we were starting in... If we're let's start with the Landros, and we're just going to kind of jump around. And again, I'm doing this completely off my head while I'm driving. So there's some teams that we can just completely cast off right away. Like the Sixers, have the Sixers done anything at all? No, Sixers haven't done anything. Uh, the Nuggets, the one deal we could probably talk about the Nuggets, and this is again more so impacting what what how teams are affected now. You know, we if you remember, the Nuggets made a deal with the Knicks where they acquired Norton, and I feel like they traded a draft pick and. I know they also did a deal where they acquired Lozon, but the Norton deal didn't necessarily work out for them because they had a guy in Kittles who they ended up starting anyways and seemingly was more productive. But in that deal, they actually traded McCants. They traded McCants and a pick for Norton. And you could probably look at that team and say, now he's got Sam Deed, which is basically a very similar player to McCants as far as what they do defensively. But obviously McCants is a little bit more low foul, has some passing, um, you know, maybe I guess a teeny bit more rebounding, but obviously very similar players, you know, so that's a, that's a deal that, you know, he probably gets to keep his pick and, you know, has a player that is just as productive as probably what he would have wanted. Um, defensively, because obviously he was looking for Norton as a little bit of pop, but, you know, Kittles. I don't know if Kittles was ready at that time, but he kind of had that player. So really, that's the only really deal I can think about as far as the Nuggets um, that, you know, maybe maybe they shouldn't have made. 
Uh, moving on, well, obviously the Hornets. We'll talk about the Hornets now because the Hornets are a fun one. Because, of course, this the Hornets trade for Chow today kind of spurned my thought of, and I think a lot of times it's just people making deals at the wrong time, is that if they would have waited or if they would have asked for the right piece. And I, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a, a productive podcast or if this is going to just be looked at as, you know, us trolling people who make bad trades. But it kind of just illustrates, you know, small little missteps. And so for the Hornets, the Hornets, obviously, we could say win on the Chow end because they didn't have to get Lasecki. But again, we're not talking about that because we wanted to talk more about, um, you know, about losing. So I feel like at the end, you know, no matter what, it's they're fine because they got a title out of it. But of course, you know, today they trade, I guess last night, whatever, trade Chow for Patton and the Bucks pick. Now the Bucks did make a little bit of regression, so we don't know yet. The Bucks should not be bad because as we saw last year, they weren't be bad. They weren't bad. Uh, Albright got a little bit worse. Um, Alagiri got a little bit worse. Um, McCoyle actually got a little bit better, and of course he was able to corral McCoyle. But we saw that like once things got a little bit weird for the team, is they did they kind of went the, the opposite way. So with the Raptors being a lot better this season, um, with some of these other teams improved, like the Nuggets should be better. Is that were the Bucks just kind of somewhat fraudulent last year? And then again, if the impact of Albright and Algeria is now a little bit more negative than it was last season, you know the Bucks had some pretty legit mojo. So like I don't want to say right now that that's a bad trade. What we could say is just he could have waited. You know, like, I think the idea is if you're if you can't use your MLE, free agency probably didn't matter. But we know the reason he makes the trade is that he needs to be able to extend Doyle and he can't extend Doyle if he's hard capped. So he wants to clear some salary, but he still also took on a guy making 20 million. And I think he probably would have had to make take on somebody else to make it match. So it looks like he's kind of in a weird spot where he he gets I guess he gets his, he gets the bucks pick so now I guess he can maneuver a little bit with the bucks pick so in theory if he could trade the bucks pick with Patton or even some other stuff and maybe still get a little bit cheaper maybe that's the 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 end scenario but a lot of people were hating on that deal but you know what who was asking for chow who was actually making offers legit offers for chow I don't clearly I, I don't think it was there you know so it's like of course, the first thing people want to do is jump on Ricky for making a deal where it seems like he won. But you know what? Ricky's one of the few people that's willing to take on any type of salary. I don't think that Bucks pick was a bad asset. Um, so it's you know decent for the Hornets. And the Hornets shed, shed the money. Like, obviously, they didn't win the title last year. And we want to say, like, are they going into this season like uh, th- there's a lot of good teams still out in the east now of course they we know that they made the the conference finals and then they lost to the raptors but if they don't necessarily think they can beat the raptors um you know they, they want to just maybe do something a little bit different so in the context of us doing a podcast where we're talking about people making trades that they maybe shouldn't have done i don't want to i don't want to you know basically nay call this one and lump this into that because i don't think we know yet but it's just a good illustration of, you know, a lot of people think it's a bad deal. Well, maybe this one necessarily wasn't yet. You know, let's see what happens. But could he have waited? Sure, I guess. I guess he could have waited for potentially something better to become available. But if that means he misses out on going after, you know, a, a free agent, if that was even possible, you know, it, it it's whatever. But but it's a good a good example of could he, could he potentially have waited. Uh, and again, I don't necessarily hate it. I get it. So that one makes a little bit more sense. But, you know, ultimately for the Hornets, they didn't, I don't think they made one that didn't necessarily pan out to a degree, right? 
yeah, I mean, they did pretty good. We might as well just jump right into the Bucks since we're talking about the Bucks. And if we're talking about the Bucks, we would say that um, what did they basically do that would have been bad? Well, they traded a draft pick for Alagiri, who hasn't necessarily worked out yet. That wasn't the best. Um, they traded Mario for Albright, and we saw that Albright was decent last season. Probably, you know, Mario was weird for the Hawks. That was kind of like a lose-lose, I think. I guess, but the the Bucks ended up with the with the better younger player, kind of, you know. So I don't think we could say that that's a loss for the Bucks. Um, and trade wise, I don't really see, you know. Again, Bubbles is very calculated. Bubbles doesn't tend to do things bad, which is why we caution people that when Bubbles comes knocking, you might want to take a closer look to what he's asking about. But yeah, I guess he got, you know, he got McCoyle, signed him to an extension. Was that a mistake? I don't know. He didn't really give up anything for McCoyle. The, the contract might be a mistake, but we saw from last year, actually, McCoyle actually wasn't terrible. You know, we can talk as much as we want about the contract. The contract's the bad amount, but, you know, he actually has been okay for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he traded for Callahan. That wasn't bad. He shed Lubega in that deal, I think. So, man, I can't think of a bad bubble steal. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't done a lot, but I can't think of anything where right off the top of my head that he's been bad, aside from maybe giving up some picks and some stuff, you know, just for for no reason at times. Didn't he give up a pick to the Hawks one time just for no reason to shed a contract? I guess that was probably to free up cap space, but but yeah, I don't think really Bubbles has done really much bad. Um, talked about the Nuggets, the Sixers, the Hornets, uh, the Raptors. So what would the... God, the Raptors all over the place with, with the trades. And I feel like at the end of the day, he, he gets the, the air trades a win. Um, I think the Zampa trade was a win. Who trade? He probably made some early deals the last few seasons where he probably gave up his picks for stuff that didn't work. So that would probably be it. Like, I think he gave up his pick for Towery. Was that to me? I think so. That was to me. Didn't end up mattering because he ended up not being that bad. Um, but I guess that would be it, but not really any catastrophic mistakes because he didn't go too far out with his picks. Um, you know, he made sure he maximized the talent of Yalba. So I don't think the Raptors did anything bad that I can truly think of. Uh, the Celtics, let's see here. We didn't like the Yencho trade at the time, and it worked out for them. Uh, I can't see anything that, I guess, Wagstaff, trading Wagstaff for Hugh. And Hugh kind of put up monster numbers last year. So if I think there's people out there right now who like Wagstaff's gotten crazy progressions and statistically speaking, he might be better, but Hugh like has has gotten more, uh, you know, like more, uh, more boosts as far as his volume. So I think, and he's gotten the, the nine PO and the nine PD. I think you could argue that he's fine with Hugh. I don't know that Hugh's that Wagstaff is necessarily better than Hugh. Uh, especially with Wagstaff's defense. So I think that's somewhat of a wash. I think it might have looked worse after Wagstaff's big progressions, but Wagstaff didn't get a ton this past season. Uh, I think Hewer largely remained the same. And, you know, the Celtics had the best record in the in the conference. So I don't think we can fault him for that. I think that was probably a, a somewhat of a win maybe for Hugh at this point. It looked bad after Wag's progressions, but then Hugh got some too. So I feel like that's somewhat even. Uh, and I can't think about maybe the Eve trade. Might not have been timely for them. And the fact that they really haven't won despite seeing some success. So, uh, you know, maybe those didn't work out. But, again, nothing nothing terrible uh, that I can think of as far as trades that he shouldn't have made. 
And so we move on to the Pacers. Uh, okay, so the Pacers did the Bannerman trade for Stu. That might not have been a good one. We saw that Stu, as as noted in the playoffs, that KJ noted that Stu took a ton more shots than Bingham and then actually made, like, <laughs> a ton less. Whereas Bingham was actually pretty efficient and solid in the playoffs and Stu was not. So Stu can defend, we know that. But I guess he really doesn't pass, and we saw that that probably didn't necessarily work out. They lost in the second round. So Stu for Bannerman, no matter how much we bash Bannerman, the idea was is that Towery was just as fine for that team. He was... He, I think he was Towery was the better player for right now. Towery was obviously ended up being pretty good in the playoffs, but Bannerman still being young, still having potential, could get some boost. But it's kind of a wash in the sense that we don't think that Bannerman's that great of a player, anyways. But maybe as an asset, I mean, he was getting paid. That was that was it. You know, like I guess he traded for Bannerman and then extended him. You know, so maybe just the belief in Bannerman. But as far as a flat out trade like Bannerman for Stu. I mean, that that's a kind of a small mistake, right? Uh, and then, you know, he's held on to maybe mainly his core. Uh, you know, he got, he got, he made that Bailey trade and gets Mayor. So like that probably was a win. So I don't know that, you know, that he hasn't really made, he traded Eve. I guess he probably traded Doyle. Anybody who had Doyle was probably bad because Doyle ended up progressing to be pretty legit. So losing Doyle, however many seasons ago that was for whatever else he ended up getting, you know, that was not good. Uh, so that would probably be it, you know, as far as, a, you know, how nice would Doyle be on that team? I don't know if any of those pieces resulted in Crom. Well, no, I don't think it did. Or, or, uh, or Rahachman. So, you know, those guys combined with Doyle would have been a lot better. So holding on to him when I think he really liked a player like him, but just kind of randomly gave up on him probably would have been it. But recently, you know, nothing really, nothing too ridiculous. Um, let's see here going to have to pull up the thing here to see what we got as far as teams. If we're going by record, the Rockets, we obviously, we could talk at Nazem about that pick. Rockets would have had the second pick in this draft. Um, I mean, that's it. It's a big one, but that's like, you know, it's, we don't know who's going to go second. We don't know how much of an impact that player would be. But, again, just to lose the second pick for no real reason, yeah, that's not good. That's not good for a franchise that's trying to be better. But that's all we're going to say about that. Like, that is clearly the worst that we've talked about so far. Um, the Grizzlies, have the Grizzlies done anything bad? I guess the Grizzlies have done a lot of stuff back and forth. You know, like signing guys for, no, for you know, in cap space and then trading them. You know, was it bad to trade them? I guess it was, you know, again, he didn't trade for cap space the one time. He could have done the brick thing. Um and he didn't, you know, could he have gotten an asset? So I think, like, for for the Grizzlies case, it's probably a little bit of, you know, he made small trades here and there that kind of stopped him from doing other trades here and there and could have potentially done other trades that people kind of probably cautioned him not to that potentially would have benefited him. So it's kind of like he's staying the course on wanting to be bad. Um, oh, we can actually never mind. Let's fast forward to the to what he just did. So, yeah, the 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 Knicks trade that was kind of bad for both. I can't believe I forgot about that. So the point is, he got he traded his pick last season for Parsons, and at the time we of course killed Andre for not getting more. So it was like a, a lose lose. Like the Grizzlies should have just stayed the course. Um, they might have missed the playoffs. We know that at that point it was most likely them getting into the playoffs, and he kind of liked a guy like Parsons. But now that we see that this draft is so weird, it probably would have been better for the Grizzlies to have their pick. 
But then the Grizzlies trade their pick for Parsons. We killed Andre for not getting more out of it, which if he could have potentially gotten a future pick, that would have even been better for the Knicks. But the Knicks only get the pick last season, whereas he was trying to be somewhat frisky, I guess. So Parsons was potentially the better asset. So he kind of did something weird. And Andre, you know, we'll get to them. They kind of do things weird back and forth. Is that they just tend, generally tend to make trades to make trades. And they're kind of almost lose-lose a lot of the time as far as what they're, the pieces they're moving around. Um, so the Grizzlies make that deal for Parsons, which is fine. Like, Parsons is okay. But he should have just had his pick and should have just made his pick this season. And instead, he ends up with Parsons, who then he flips for Archie, which, again, like, we're not going to call him an idiot, but it's like, I I know he's not going to trade B-Rat, and I know he's not going to trade Elio, but what's the goal? Is the goal to now, like, treadmill for the next few seasons while those two guys progress? Because wouldn't the idea be is you don't trade any of your picks at all? Like, this trade made sense, I guess, because he just traded his last pick, but now he has his pick again. So it's kind of like we trade our pick last year and you basically traded your pick last year for, for Archie. So it's like we're, we're that's, that's the point that matters here is that he's kind of, he is speeding up his rebuild by doing that. Just stay the course and don't trade your picks. You know, and if you miss the playoffs, great. If you make the playoffs, it's still a decent pick. But it's like, okay, he's not mortgaging the future. Well, he traded last year's pick for Parsons. Like, do we see him trading more future picks now? Okay, probably not. But now the point is is that he's going to win more. Like, Parsons doesn't score a lot, which I get. B-Rat's going to score more. Elio does not score. Like, Parsons alongside Elio, that's a lot of extra passing. Like, that's fun. But you're still going to need the score long term. But and what he did is he he flopped them. He 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 swapped Parsons, who can score a little bit, but is more of a passer for Archie, who's going to score a lot. Archie doesn't really stay in the court, so long term he's not really like a he's, he doesn't benefit that team. It's not going to work. He's only going to ultimately get worse as those youngsters get better. But what he's doing is he's putting himself in that position where yes, El, you know Elio's going to progress, B Rat's going to progress, but now they're going to be like the seventh and eighth seed for the next few seasons. And that team should be missing the playoffs. You know, other teams are potentially going to get better in the Landros. The Landros is kind of a mess. Now, is he going to keep his pick? Sure. Like, did he, and, and, and like, did he already flip Archie? Yes, he did. Okay. But wow, I completely miffed on that uh, as I was recording this. But of course, like that was the idea is that when he first traded for Archie, it was kind of like, now you're going to win more games and you really don't want to win more games. So what's the thought process here? Um, is that you're just going to increase your win total when you want to be bad. So that's why we didn't like it. And of course, if you just rewind it, they would have had their pick the season. So what they do is they flip Archie and Brick to the Clippers for Holland. Who's fun? Is it Holland? I don't even know. DeAndre Holland, I think. Um, and yes, bad contracts. We get it. People that liked it for X said that, you know, he dumped Sullivan and he dumped Moss. Moss is a dump, but I don't think Sullivan is. You know, we can tie this one into the Clippers. We haven't gone over to the Maynard yet, but the Clippers are kind of one of the more focal points. There's a lot of trades that they probably shouldn't have made. And that, you know, it's left the team in a really weird spot um, as far as the actual current roster that they have. Like, so many things in and out. And it's like, He's very calculated, and he's the one that talks about trades that he shouldn't have made, and I respect him the most for that. But he's probably the biggest culprit of making all these trades that he shouldn't have made. So, you know, he trade like, I get it, Sullivan and Moss make like $30 million, 
But you know what? He he traded his his forty three. I think is the is the potential is the potential pick involved as well as Sullivan. And okay, Sullivan's really expensive, but he did get some progressions. I think you could have easily moved Sullivan for an expiring. I don't think you have to attach something to Sullivan. He was still relatively young despite being overpaid. I don't think people were looking at Sullivan like a stew. I don't think people were looking at Sullivan like a Lubega. Like, Sullivan's decent. You know, like, he's got his flaws. But I think the other thing is, there are people around the league who clearly like Sullivan. So I think you would have, and he would have been able to probably even, could he have gotten something for Sullivan and an expiring? Like, what if you're one of these competing teams that wants to get young and you just throw a future pick along with an expiring at Sullivan? I don't think that that's out of the question. But instead, out of nowhere, he decided to attach stuff to trade Sullivan. And yes, we're moving off the Grizzlies. So Allrin has has actually, to his credit, done these weird trades and then somehow gotten out of, gotten away with, you know, like had maybe gotten something better. So in this case, like he makes a trade that, you know, he shouldn't have made. And ultimately, get some potentially better stuff in return. You know, the the Clippers forty three at this point. You know, the Clippers are going to be banking on trying to sign some guys. But if this is the same thing, we're going to talk about all these all these other teams. What what makes us think that you know that that forty three is is not going to be valuable? Now we did see that this past season the Clippers screwed Kyle out of that pick. So I'm going to say like it's probably fifty fifty that it's good. But you know what? He ended up getting some stuff for for things that you know like. I think that the Clippers 43 and Sullivan is more valuable than Archie for that team because I think that Archie would have inflated what the Grizzlies wanted to do and made them artificially a little bit better than they really should be. Um, Whereas I don't think that Moss and Sullivan necessarily do that. And I still think Sullivan's flippable, actually. I think that he could potentially get something for Sullivan. You know, he's, he's, he's got some good stuff to him. You could say that he's a little bit deficient on the defensive end, but, you know, that's potentially a, a, a piece to flip. So if we're just starting on that one, if we wanted to transition over to the Clippers, is that the Clippers make that trade, and I think that they could have waited and just given Sullivan away. He talked about Holland. No one necessarily came after Holland, but, like, I don't know if he was offering Holland around, but I like Holland. I think he could have potentially, you know, we see that last year the Nets, the Nets traded me um, west to get rid of Lubega, uh, you know. So like he he probably gets rid of either Holland or the pick to get rid of Moss if that's his goal. But I didn't necessarily think he had to get rid of both. So that's a situation where he kind of lost two assets when he probably could have just lost one. We can go back and look at he got he traded for Sullivan and Vialba, and he traded Zampa. And he gave away something to get rid of Sullivan. So technically speaking, he traded his 43 or Holland with Zampa to get Vialba. Right? Is that, I guess that's kind of how it ultimately worked out. It doesn't matter who it goes to, but the point is those are things off of his page. And we understand that Zampa isn't necessarily the best power forward, but he does a lot of fun stuff. Um, Viaba is clearly long-term prospect and he's good and he's young. So he could be something really good one day, but I don't think anyone would not would take, I don't think anyone right now would take Viaba over Zampa. 
I think people that prefer wings and then don't want to necessarily deal with, I guess, Zampa's, uh, you know, PD or rebounding would potentially do that and maybe go for the youth. So I guess I could see some people going for Vialba, but I think that Zampa is most likely the better asset. I don't think people, you know, like, <clears throat> I think that's an argument, but I think the Zampa side wins as far as I think people would give up more for Zampa than Vialba. But I mean, I, I could be, I could, I could be wrong. That's just my opinion on that one. So I think that that's a trade that they lost. Um, if we were running it even more, he gave up Graf, who Graf may never end up being anything, but he gave up Graf for Ajan. And then I don't know what he got from Jamie back for Ajan. Uh, he got Gerardo. Uh, but, but like Graf is fine. Why did we give up Graf for Ajan? They weren't trying, right? So why did we get Ajan in the first place? I didn't get that. Um, he traded AGS, who got crazy boost this season for the Nets, and Jay quit. That's ironic. Uh, for Sudbury, I could be wrong in some of the pieces, but it's almost like X believes in covering his mistakes and trying to clear them up pretty quickly, but it's almost like he snowballed in the wrong direction where it's like, he's kind of made small, bad trade after bad trade. And they're kind of compounding to where now it's like, he's got a lot, he's going to have a lot of cap space and, and Vialba and why am I an idiot and not, not realizing who's this, who's the guy that he likes on his team. Oh, Shagur. So there's a win. There's a win. He trades Shagur for Sudbury. So, and Shagur ends up being completely legit. So Shagur is going to be a loss for the Warriors. If we're talking about that one where Shagur seemed to, you know, now like the Clippers didn't win in the playoffs, but it's like, it's whatever. Shagur is only 24. Kyle was right on the podcast that we talked about or that he, he did on himself. And he talked about how, you know, I was kind of disc- discounting that completely. And he's not wrong is that Shagur is super young and potentially the best wing defender in the league outside of Marco Polo. So that's a, that could be a potentially huge win. So he didn't completely lose on all of these, but we just see that he's just flipping stuff to flip stuff to flip stuff. Now, if we want to say that it's a blank slate, open cap space, uh, you know, but the other thing is he doesn't have his picks, right? The Clippers have their 41 and their 42, but not their 43. So, you know what? If their goal is to be really bad in the next couple seasons, why they have Shagur and, and Vialba, and then to potentially tank see how good they could potentially be. Could they sign some people in free agency? And then since they don't have their 43, go that route? Sure. But imagine if he just trades Holland to shed Moss. Then he still has his 43 and gives away Sullivan, and then he's fine. And then he's reset anyways. So I guess he's reset, but I feel like he's just lost value after value after value aside from the Shagur side. So um, the Clippers are kind of a mess as far as what they've done moving forward. You know what? Shagur, elite wing defender. Vialba's fine. He's got his picks the next couple seasons. He has cap space. That's okay. But they could be much more is what we're kind of saying is they, they kind of uh, wasted it. And that's what we've been talking about on this podcast. Um, the bulls. Wow. I guess the biggest thing about the bulls is that somehow they traded their, all of their picks. They traded their picks for Chow. Um, did they get back the, did they get back value for Chow? Now we see that like we got to look at what they have now because again they traded all of their picks when they didn't need to trade any of them and they have their 42 and then the Knicks 41 and they have a lot of like weird young talent. They end up with Vincent which at the end of the day we you know Kyle was right. The Bulls 40 ended up being like the 8th or ninth pick in the draft. So the argument is is Vincent better than that pick? We don't know yet because we don't know what the draft's going to look like and if the draft's flat 
and that pick ends up being pretty valuable. Hmm. You know, they actually might have won the trade with me where they got Yard and um, West back. He obviously traded West to the Nets in a bad trade, but that was because they um, didn't know the, the, the right players involved. So we ended up giving guys to the Nets for kind of no reason. So that was one, but he ends up getting West back. So he kind of wins that one back. He's kind of, he's hopefully resetting the team, staying the course. We don't want to see the Bulls trade any of their future picks. So he still got his 42 and his 43. So if we're looking at this, just this season right now, one more season of him not having his pick. And this is the pick that he's going to give to Smath in the Chow deal originally. And that's what Smath counted on. And that clearly the Bulls are a mess. So you know, that was bad. The Chow deal was all around bad. If Jay quit because of the Chow trade, I mean, give me a break. Don't be a bitch about it. Like, you're better than that. You know, like, I, I just don't, I don't buy it. Again, I still don't believe that he's gone. I'll believe it when I actually see it, when I see KJ comments on it. But you know what? Like, you didn't completely lose your mind at that time. You've bitched about another, uh, about enough stuff already. You know, like, your team was in a rebuild. So, like, did you really think you were going to quit? So you decided to go all in to then quit? That's a real bitch move. A real bitch move to basically do weird trades like we saw. Why did they trade for Bailey? Why did they trade for Silva to then quit to give up your assets and all that youth because you didn't want to stick it out? I don't. I would love to believe that he didn't do that. But if he did, fuck you, Jay. Be riddance or good riddance would be the right one. Be gone. Don't come back. But I believe you're still coming back. That's my take. I think it's all for show. But yeah, that would be that would be pretty poor form by them. So the Bulls, yeah, just don't trade your picks. I mean, it's it's been kind of a mess. Uh the Lions. Let's see. The Lions did pretty good in their sell-off. Trizzy, again, another very calculated GM. And we saw that, you know, like we joked even last season that the better trade for the Lions or people could have potentially been getting what, what what did we say? Sullivan and then the Kings 42. But what are the Kings going to do? I, I like the idea of the Kings. You know, we don't know yet. If Divine leaves, I like the idea of the Kings trying and still being good. And we know that they're going to be good. Jode and, and Trauber are going to be good enough anyway. So, like, that's fun. So we don't know. But it's like he got a lot of stuff from me. So he won that one. That's a big loss by the Thunder in that deal. I just gave him a ton of assets. You know, the Raptors pick, obviously, the 40 didn't pan out. Um, I think I gave him... I think I'm a Warriors pick in that deal. I might have given him a future pick of mine. I don't even know. I gave him a lot of stuff. But uh, a lot of random stuff. I mean, Grzecki is the big one. Is that Grzecki seems to be a nice little player. Uh, is that just giving that guy up for pretty much Bo, who I ended up flipping for other stuff. You know, if we're talking, if we're transitioning to Thunder. Like, lines were fine. But transitioning to Thunder. So what did that, that started it. Is that in the offseason, had a, young, a lot of young talent. And I had all of these assets. And then I decided to go make a, a random all-in move for Bo, who I thought would be really fun. And then it didn't work out immediately. But you know what? I had an idea that I just, I could see it. It wasn't going to work. He didn't have good defense. He couldn't stay on the court. Like, that's just not going to hold up long term. Um, the irony is that I ended up with a guy in Bradley. But you know what? I I fixed the, the the rebounding deficiency. But yeah, I ended up with what? A guy who can't, who, who has a 6 PD and can't stay on the court. So I still kind of solved my problem with the wrong piece. 
So ultimately, yeah, the cascade of trades that the Thunder made weren't the best either. Is that the Thunder had all these assets. The Thunder would have been better off with just keeping Grzecki and all those assets and potentially doing all these different moves. We see that who knows what else. I don't even remember what some of those picks were trading, but it was just bad value. And then so the both thing didn't work. And then what did I do? I made a trade with Ricky. And I, and, then, and I added pieces that I liked, but even Ricky admitted he would have given me a pick in that deal. So I lost value there. I lost another piece is that even though I traded him bow and got pieces I liked, I could have gotten something better. I could have gotten another pick out of it. And I lost out there because, again, when you lose out on stuff and not getting things back, is it just you're losing out on stuff that you could potentially flip for more? You know, we talk about when we just mentioned the Clippers kind of, you know, flipping things and flipping things and just kind of you lose one thing here, you lose one thing there. And then potentially like you, what you have at the end, it's not bad. Like the Thunder don't have a bad roster, but I gave up a lot to end up with some of these weird players. Um, even at the end, I knew like I couldn't beat the Kings. So why was I trading? Why was I trading West? a young guy that I liked, and Burkitt, who's really not that good, two young guys that I liked to get Pascal and Franks. Now, Franks looks okay, and the goal of the Thunder is is Franks plus Bradley equals one center. And it seems like it might work. We don't know what it'll be for the full season, but it's like I probably lost value on that trade, is I would have been better off with that. Um, and if we're looking at... You know, the bow trade, I lost value there, and then the Satan one. Now, people hate it on the Satan deal, but it's like I think... That's like a that was like a lose lose because again, if I solve my problem moving forward at center, and just start like a guy like Marks, um, I guess I would have had to trade Yard, right? No, I had Yard, and that ended up being a different trade, right? So yeah, if I just end up starting, starting Marks or Yard, and then what if we brought Satan off the bench? You know, what if, if he wasn't a good starter, what if he bring him off the bench? And I have the same lineup with McCant starting, and Satan comes off the bench, and then maybe we start Pang. We never really fully saw that. Would that have been better for this team? Like, we want to hate on Pang, and we could say that's a lose-lose, because the Thunder obviously fixed Bradley, but he's still... Still got a six PD and still, stand, still can't stay on the court. So that was kind of a lose trade, because we see that Satan just keeps getting more volume and more offense. And he's not a bad player. Should he potentially, like, if if he was on the Thunder now who have Bradley, yeah, that makes sense because Brett, we have the rebounding. And I guess if, I, if, if, if it's a team that's starting yard at the time, it probably works as well. Um, but, you know, ended up wanting to flip him, and it, maybe that was a mistake. You know, is, is, is Satan as a sixth man the best long-term role for him? And that's potentially true if your starting lineup's balanced and all he does is come off the bench and score. We saw that the teams like the Blazers who were really successful with Norton weren't relying on Norton. Like, okay, Norton passed what? He passed a teeny bit. He rebounded a teeny bit, but it's not like he was doing much else. So like you're relying on Norton to score. Like Necrosoft now, people like him, he gets floated around a lot. Um, he doesn't really, does he Does he do a lot of rebounding? Does he do a lot of, of, of passing? No, you're getting that guy to score. So when you're so one-dimensional like Satan, like, are you going to be this awesome player who you people are going to be re- relying on? No. But can you play a role? Sure. So, like, I don't even know what the verdict's on on that. Like, it looked like, you know, Bradley is fixed offensively for this team, but he's, again, he's still a 6PD. He still can't stay on the court because of his foul rate. So, whereas during the season, I think you would have said, okay, the Thunder probably won that. I mean, is it a net loss at the end of the day because I traded the younger player? That could potentially be true. So trade after trade after trade, what are the Thunder necessarily left with? You know, we could probably could have just done whatever we wanted at center because the Kings were so dominant anyways and just ended up with Satan this season as a six-man and then figured out center later on. That's fun. But, you know, 
wanted to go for a new toy in Bradley, and maybe that didn't necessarily work out. So a lot of, again, that's a, that's a cascading effect of potentially bad trades. And I think we saw that Satan got a DD boost, and um, Bradley took an OD hit. So the fit makes sense, but the player might not actually benefit the team. So I think Omer said it best where he said that the, you know, you know, like I, it was almost a lateral trade in the sense that Bradley fit better, but it still didn't fix their problem. And that's it. The team needed defense. We didn't fix that problem. We haven't addressed that issue yet. So that's a problem with them moving forward. And if, if, you know, if the team can't flip Bradley for something else and they just kind of ride it out with Bradley, are they going to be susceptible up front? So that, you know, again, we like to talk about the Thunder. Well, whatever. Here's a negative podcast and I'm talking about the Thunder. You know, so I like the player, but you know what? I still might have been and made a mistake, whereas Satan might have been the better asset long term for this t- for this team. Um, and it's just, again, you know, trade, making trades to make trades. And that's what the Thunder kind of had, had did and might not have helped. If we flip back to the Landros, who do we have left? The Lakers. The Lakers make it. I mean, the, really, the bad trade that the Lakers made is they wanted to get all these picks. Like they ended up trading, I think, a draft pick, like the fifteenth pick in one draft. I guess it really didn't even matter for the Thunder Forty One. I mean, that's obviously not going to be a good pick. He makes the weird trade with the Raptors. I mean, it looks like a bad trade, but what happens if Sand Sand leaves? And I mean, he's looking at it as I got air for free. So. It wasn't a bad trade for the Lakers per se. Is it was a bad trade as far as upsetting the balance of powers in the league? Yes, we've seen people do that. I did that. I traded Bo to the Lions, and the Lions won a couple titles, right? So people do that, but at the same time, I got Bo in the off season that year for free. I just got him with cap space. So the Lakers are looking at it as whatever I get for this trade, I don't really care. And he wants to run it back and say. Well, I traded air. I maybe not didn't get back young talent that I liked, but he's trading air for he loves lottery picks and he loves lottery picks in the general of like literally lottery. He loves just taking chances and potentially seeing where it lands. So he trades air, gets back the Celtics pick, hoping to sign sand and thus are the are the Celtics a lotto team. And then ultimately, where does that pick land? So, you know, there's no way he loses that trade at all. Because he still ends up with it with the Celtics pick. Now, where the the irony is that he gets two Raptors picks in that trade that are going to have negative value because of how good he made the Raptors. It would have been better if he could have gotten more stuff off the Raptors. I'm sure if the Raptors had other people's picks, that would have likely been included in the deal. But it just made sense. And if that was the deal that he wanted to make, and he might have lost overall value on that. But at the same time, he starts out the season with a complete shit roster and nothing, and now ends up with at least, I guess, some form of an asset if Sand walks. If Sand stays, it ends up being a pretty bad trade as far as the value he got. But in theory, I guess the point is it was like wasted cap space because he could have potentially gotten more, and we could say that. But the verdict's still out on that one because, again, if Sand doesn't sign and he ends up getting um, a lotto pick out of that deal... You know, we can't fault him for that. So that's pretty much the only other thing I could think of that the Lakers did. And then the Cavs. The only, I guess, the Cavs one that you could look at is maybe the jostling on draft day that one season is that um, he traded the number two pick to the Hawks. If we're talking about the Hawks, the Hawks have made some weird ones, I guess, for that ended up being Albright and he got other picks. And it only ends up being somewhat of a mistake because if he made bad draft picks, like if he took guys that he didn't necessarily ended up could have gotten better players with those picks. But that's 
that's just, you can't really fault him for that because at the time he was trading for the actual picks. You know, Kyle nailed it when he said that picks have more value in, in theory until they're used. Is that you could potentially take a better player at your spot, but you're most likely being offered a little bit more more, more more, often than not than the player that you get at that spot. Now, sometimes people nail their draft picks and someone slides and it works out. But, you know, in, in the in the case of I was definitely offered more for the 13th pick than ended up being Burkich. So, again, another mistake by me. So I think Kyle would admit that I don't think he really loved the way that things panned out. Obviously, Kyle having all of these extra picks and them not panning out was frustrating. Um I think that he obviously regrets the Selby trade because he traded the Hawks 41. Now, again, the Hawks were bad last year. They had their pick. They didn't have any incentive to be bad. I think this season with them, you know, Tolls looks a little bit better. Uh, he still has Mario. He has Sacks. He has some incentive to try to be better. So he trades the Hawks 41 to Selby. Uh, you know, that's another decent trade, I guess, theoretically for the Lakers because they're trying to purge the roster of shooting guards and small forwards, I guess. So, you know, Kyle probably regrets that because the upside of the Hawks pick is likely better than the upside of Selby. So I think he regrets that a bit, you know, but otherwise he's got a lot of assets. He's trying to hope, you know, some of these things land, you know, we'll see how the draft matters. So I think, you know, just the luck of where those picks ended up probably have him regretting certain things. I don't know that there were trades out there that he could have made, but the point is, is that we're looking at trades he did make. So, I mean, that's kind of that. Uh, as far as the Cavs. The Kings, the weird one is that he actually traded probably too much, I guess. He gave me a pick and Lucas Ferrugins at the time. And then, of course, his point guard goes down and he loses in the first round, probably because Rugens was better as a backup. But, um, you know, Rugens helps him get his title this past season. So that's not a bad trade. Uh, he traded Sullivan for Tucci. And People panned at the time because Sullivan was a better long-term thing. But guess what? Tucci got him to the best record of all time, 94-4. and So that wasn't a bad trade. So what looked like two potential bad trades for the team ended up being actually pretty good and got him two out of three years titles and one of the most dominant teams of all time. So, you know, there's a good example of probably a team that has been somewhat calculated in not wanting to make mistakes, and it's worked out that he doesn't make a lot of trades and the trades that he makes have have been well as far as benefiting him. You know, he made he didn't lose out when he made the Baker trade and I know people ban, pan Baker at the time and that worked out in his favor. So, you know, he's been people might have not liked his trades at the at first glance, but guess what? They've worked out. Uh we already talked about the Thunder. The Suns have kind of done a stuff a lot of stuff back and forth. I can't pinpoint anything where I guess he did it wrong. You know, probably trading some of his picks, I guess, when Maybe he didn't need to, but I can't think of anything that, like, set the team back. Um, you know, traded for Archie, traded Archie for Bo. You know, I don't even think he traded what, what Garza was, if that was his own pick or someone else's. But things have seemingly worked out. You know, ho-hum for the Suns. Granny worked out. He traded a top, a, D, a, a pretty high pick, pick for Granny. I think that pick ended up being Baker. So... I can't actually say about that. He hasn't really made any mistakes. The Sonics, let's see what the Sonics have done. The Sonics have their 40. They still don't have their 41, but they have their 42, and I would assume 43. So this is kind of like probably the last run for them. Um, They've made Kevin's work. I don't know what they traded. I think that you could say that Kevin's worked, but they still didn't, you know, win with him. Like, they beat me. But would that have been a better asset? Like, I think if that was the Pacers 41, I like the Pacers 41 just because, again, we don't know what Cress is going to do yet, if he's going to move on from Crom. 
um, and just try to redo it. So I think that he traded that to Ricky, and we see that Ricky's kind of holding on to that. Ricky obviously would probably try to aim at getting some stuff from the Pacers for that pick back, but if the Pacers don't really care and they want to be frisky, they're doing their own thing. But again, I, I think that maybe Kevin's for that pick. You know, what if he held on to that Pacers pick and could have gotten something, one of those players? What if he could have could put Mayor next to next to him? I mean, is that possible? I mean, who knows? But I, don't, you know what, Omer's pretty calculated. He's been doing a lot of good stuff lately. I can't seem to look at, you know, he traded. There's another bad trade. I think I gave him Evans or gave Evans to somebody else, and then someone gave him Evans because um, I was looking to move on from that salary, and Evans were has worked out for him. So I don't think he's made any bad deals. He's kind of just been doing pretty solid. The Warriors obviously moved on from Shagur for Sudbury. We're going to say that that's probably a loss. Um, otherwise, he's kind of stayed the course. People didn't really like the the deal where he gave up a couple of his picks for Rosado. Um, I think Rosado was better than probably what he had than Pascal. Um, so I don't fault him for that. Uh, I don't think that was worse. And, you know, the team's still been competitive. I mean, they swept the, the Suns in round one. You know, and it's not like... Rosado's 31, Sudbury's 23, Cruz is 27, uh, you know, Rafi's 28, Collins is 30. The team's not old. Um, they're just competing. So he's kind of done stuff. He hasn't really made, you know, it's not like he tra- when he traded Bo and Patton, right? Uh, we already talked about the Clippers, the Blazers. Man, the Blazers have done a ton of stuff. But you know what I would say about the Blazers is that Ricky is also very calculated in that he doesn't like to lose value in deals. And off the top of my head, I feel like he almost always wins out the value trades. And then that he always gets extra stuff out of it. Um, and what he's done is he'll, he gets all these extra pieces, which he then flips for stuff. You know, if he doesn't have all these extra pieces, he probably can't get chow. Uh, and that, and, and that has worked out, you know, he ends up getting extra pieces and deals and ends up getting Faison. Um, he was able to flip Bo who was older for Archie to now down to Parsons who might fit that team. Uh, he obviously lost his point guard in Patton. He's held on to to Carson, so maybe Carson fits. So it's kind of like trade by trade by trade. I feel like he's kind of the opposite in the Clippers, where he keeps trading up in value. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head where he lost. He gets he he traded me brick for a middling pick, which I don't end up remembering what it was that I got for it. So it's like, did he have to do that? I mean, it ended up clearing cap. I don't think it hurt him. Um, and. You know, looking at other ones, I, I don't, I don't see. You know, it, he you could always talk about trades he didn't make, but trades that he did make that hurt. He got Brooks via free agency, so that wasn't him trading for him. So no, I don't see a lot of mistakes as far as anything. I mean, and that's the idea. That's how he does what he does is because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes when it comes to trades like the Kevin's trade. Okay. Kevin's is young and is going to get boost. But if he's looking at Kevin saying that even if Kevin's is fixable, I don't like the flaws. You know, Kevin's was productive and beat me in the playoff series. He shot 50 or so percent. Um, he still did pretty well. But if you look at even the April of that series was only like 17. So it was like, he had a somewhat of an impact, but it wasn't like completely awesome. So if you look at the fact that he's still not that great on, on defense, he still has a little bit of foul trouble. Is that efficiency going to hold up against good defense? That's probably, you know, where Ricky look at it as, you know, he's also a highly paid player and, you know, getting the Pacers 41 out of it. He probably looks at it as if Crest, if Crest ever caves, that 41 is probably more alluring than Kevin's. He could decide that he, you know, Crest could decide, I want my 41 back. I hate my team. Probably looking to do that instead of getting Kevin's. 
And this is, again, I don't know the GMs. I don't know that they would do any of this. But to me, that's more more along the lines of what they would do. I don't think Chris Crest is trading for Kevins. I feel like he would probably trade for his pick first. So I could see what Ricky was trying to do in that deal as far as flipping Kevins. Um, and who has a use. And if you're looking at it as, Omer won a playoff series. He made a fun run. He probably was going after the Kings again. So what does he necessarily care about that pick? Um, so, I mean, that's kind of a wash on upsides there is that Kevin's could still progress who knows but if he's not going to ever become something uh that you know that is what it is so I don't think there's anything really much negative to say about the Blazers again I wish there was but that's what Ricky does uh we see the the Knicks the Knicks are a whole conversation in itself so are the Nets or the Hawks the Timberwolves wow the, the Jazz Jazz probably is simply they could have sold off more players for assets but ultimately I don't think he made any bad deals uh, the Heat, we probably criticized the Chow trade because we weren't quite sure what would happen when he got picks, but ultimately he has the Bulls 41, so that's that. Um, I don't think of other stuff where he potentially lost. He's got all of these guys he keeps flipping. He ended up walking into the Rockets trade, so, you know, like the Heat are making calculated smart moves. Uh, the Timberwolves obviously traded Bradley for Satan, and they made the trade for Glenn for Twine. Uh, Twine looks like the better long-term player. Glenn's fine as well. Let's see, did either guy... Twine looks like he got some volume boost. The three-point shooting is a little bit of an issue. He's still only 19. That's tough to even call. Let's look at the Nets. The Nets, you know, looks like Glenn added some volume. He's 23, so he's just four years older. I think, again, that's a situation where both players are going to be good. Glenn had a good, fun year, so I think he's fine. Uh, it's just offensive player against, you know, a more offensive player against a well-rounded wing. I think more people would prefer Twine over Glenn. So I would say. Oh, so we got interrupted by a phone call. That's what happens when you do these during the day. But I think we were talking about, well, we're talking about the Heat making some good deals. Yes. Yeah, so if we're moving on to the Timberwolves, that's right. We're talking about Twine and Rob Glenn. Is that if I feel like long-term people like Twine anyways. So I think he did good with that one as far as moving in the right direction. Uh... You know, the Satan one, I don't know. The Satan one, it looks like if you don't think you could ever do anything with Glenn, Satan becomes an interesting asset that I feel like Satan is who he is. He's just got even more volume. Is that, you know, get a point guard, you know, do what you can with Satan. I don't think he's ever going to be bad. He's still only 24. He's still got 24. He's got three years left. I think he sees like he's still progressing. Is that I think right now, I don't think Satan hurts him other than other than if you're trying to win, does he help you? That's a weird statement. But, you know, if Bradley isn't your long-term fit at center, then you might, again, he might have won this deal in the sense that he might be the better long-term asset if Bradley never amounts to anything. So don't hate that. Don't hate that as far as how the team, he obviously lucked into the top overall pick by making that deal. So we can't fault him for that either. So I want to say that it hasn't, you know, has he made another bad trade in there? I don't think. Won the Twine trade, might have won the Satan trade, got on the top pick, can't complain on that one. So, you know, what does that team do moving forward? But otherwise, I don't think they really have made that many mistakes because, you know, again, like maybe the Chow trade back in the day wasn't the best, but, you know, how long ago was that? I guess it does have an impact on the roster because he got Luther. And, you know, what what could he have potentially gotten? But who knows? It's, that's that long ago. This team is resetting. They're going to have young talent. That's going to be the idea. You know, I don't think Bedlam, Bedlam's a long-term piece. Luther's still young, so they are what they are. You know, I don't think he, he doesn't make a lot of deals, so he hasn't made a lot of mistakes. Uh, and we still haven't talked about the Knicks, the Nets, and the Hawks, so we might as well do that right now. Let's start with the Nets in the middle because Jay's not around. So you know what? I'm going to say we're not going to talk about the Nets. Jay's not here. 
If the idea is he's not here because he doesn't want to own up to all these mistakes, that's fine. Biggest mistake the team has made is the team decided to go pseudo all in. They trade a lot of stuff for Silva. They trade a lot of stuff for Bailey. They could have just stayed the course and been bad. Obviously, he doesn't have his 42. Traded all of his draft picks in the process. Completely purged the team of young, of youth. So if you're a new GM coming in, you would have much preferred what you had. But you know what? This team could still sell Bailey, I guess. The team could still sell Silva. These They're potentially expiring this season. Yes, the team is kind of somewhat of a mess. So if the team is going to walk away, they took their shot last year, they would potentially have their shot this year. So he left the team in somewhat of a shambles. So they could have been better off with all of these young assets. So as far as, well, they have age, AGS, that's fine. They still have Rob Glenn. So I guess it could be worse as far as them having young talent. So just pretty much the whole team made a ton of trades that they just shouldn't have made. They should have just stayed the course, been bad, done what they were doing. They would have still had twine. Um, they would have had all of their picks. They could have still clearly have done the trade with the, with the Clippers. It all started with the Knicks trades about trading your own pick for their pick back and forth. Both these teams could have just stayed the course and been bad, but they decided to want to do otherwise. So that's pretty much all we say about the Nets. And the Knicks, I mean, what do we say? You know, he makes, <clears throat> makes the Parsons trade last year. Let's see what they had. They ended up getting a better pick in the draft from the Nets than they did out of the Bulls. The biggest one probably would have been when he made the trade with the Hornets would have been trying to at least get Lisecki instead of the Bulls pick because you would have gotten the known asset. But, you know, at the end of the day, he still gets a pick out of it. Um, he traded his 41, but the team obviously isn't going to be terrible. Uh, Flip Stew for Bannerman. Could he have gotten a pick out of the Bannerman deal? I don't know. Again, with Andre, it's a lot of times where he says, I can get this, and you say, oh, interesting. And then he doesn't end up getting that. So the trades theoretically could have been better. But at the end of the day, he's got a lot of young talent that he still has homegrown. Kowalski's still there. Um, Kowalski's there. Matthews is there. Uh, he's still got Danville. And obviously he's got four of the top 12 picks here in this upcoming draft. So it is what it is with them. Now they don't have their picks moving forward. So that's interesting. So now it's kind of go time as far as the Knicks. He doesn't have his 41 or his 42. So now it looks like it's Knicks go time as far as potentially wanting to try something. So let's see it. Now's his time. So could it have been them staying the course, been bad, using their draft picks and not making any of these deals? Sure. But you know what? Hey, four out of the top 12 picks in this draft. And that's that. You know, it looks decent. And then we end up with certainly last but not least is the Hawks. Oh, the Hawks, the Hawks, the Hawks. So he trades Pang for Sacks. I don't know what that one is. We still don't know what Pang is. We kind of know what Sacks is. Uh, I feel like that's probably a wash because they're both somewhat good and both somewhat bad. Um, he trades for Mario. That's a weird one. That really was bad, right? Is that Mario looked like a real? I love, I love that trade. I love Mario, and it just hasn't worked out. Maybe it's because the other stuff he sold never addressed point guard. Market was a signing, didn't really work out at center, so that wasn't a trade. So the Mario trade didn't work. He traded a lot of stuff, I guess. The point is, he traded a lot of stuff to get Albright, and he could have just taken hammers. That was the idea in the draft, and everyone said it. I know we say hindsight's twenty twenty, but everyone was looking at like hammers. People like he looked good, you know. He could have taken Hammers at 8. Kyle could have taken Hammers at 8. No one did. And Hammers slipped to the Sixers, and he's playing a backup role. And Hammers got even, I think, a little bit more progressions. But, like, Hammers would have been the guy that you could have settled on, but instead the Hawks traded, like, two future picks 
and got Albright and then ended up getting Murillo. So he ends up with a player. He he missed the playoff two seasons in a row. So Murillo didn't help the team. He could have had one of his picks. He missed the playoffs and his pick jumped and Kyle ended up getting Mercer. So it's like just things have not worked out in their favor. You know, and he's been he, Murillo was potentially available all of last season. He couldn't move off Murillo. Now he missed the playoffs. His pick didn't jump. He's got a decent pick this year. You know, like it's a top 10 pick, I guess, right? Um, he's got his pick in 42, but we know that now the Lakers have their picks in his pick in 41. So it's kind of a weird reset for them. Like Sachs is 26, Tolls is 25. What are they going to do with that roster? I mean, now it's probably try to time to try and do something to potentially like what can can you address the point guard spot you know can you move off market as he's regressed we don't know but it's kind of like a couple weird trades that looked good ended up being bad is that if you rewind it they don't trade into number two they end up just taking hammers at eight and the team is young and then they have their picks moving forward you know doesn't make the Mario deal obviously still would have hammers and would have his picks, right? And that would be kind of the idea about the team. Maybe they miss the playoffs. Maybe he ends up with Mercer. Maybe that's the idea. But, you know, that's, that is hindsight 2020 on that. But I guess the idea is he hasn't really won any of those deals, right? Because we haven't seen any of that benefit him yet. Um, so we can see that there's a lot of teams that didn't make a lot of trades. And guess what? It, made the, it led to them not making a lot of mistakes. Um, and... You know, the big winner in all this is probably the Hornets because they got a title out of getting uh, Chow and not trading Doyle, right? It would have been a good one. But again, we're talking more so about, you know, and then we see that, you know, teams like the Thunder probably lose the most of because the upside of all the things they kept trading. So the team is fun and they're fine now. But yeah, like they lost a lot of assets along the way. The Clippers obviously are stuck in a situation where they do have young talent. That's fine. Um, we can agree on that, but they probably lost a lot of value along the way and they're still not good at the moment, but okay, they have cap space. They can take their shot. Um, so at the end of the day, my favorite phrase, you know, everybody is who they are right now and only the bulls are probably in the worst spot because their team is kind of a mess. You know, the rockets would be picking number two right now. Uh, those are probably the big ones as far as immediate impact at the moment and just a lot of value lost along the way. So, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how you see that a lot of the teams that weren't active probably led to them making the least amount of mistakes. So what is, if we say that, you know, if you're Ricky and you're super calculated and you're doing it the way you do it, he seems like he wins out more often, but a lot of these teams just flipping young stuff for young stuff. It seems like it doesn't end up working. So if you're a person that likes to trade to trade, guess what? I think at the end of the day, you're going to lose out more often than not because you're giving up stuff that you probably don't need to, or that you shouldn't be. And you're just being silly because you want to have fun. But that's fine. We're still having fun here. So we got the draft here in less than an hour. This was probably a waste of an hour of a podcast topic. But you know what? We did it calmly. We did it without trolling teams. We just wanted to talk about stuff. And it was weird because I think, uh, I don't think anyone's in horrific spot. You know, even the Rockets are in a good spot. The, the Bulls are have some young talent now because they got over on me on a, on a little bit of a deal. But you know what? They're probably in the worst spot because they don't have their picks. But other than that, everyone's kind of still in a spot where they're still doing what they should be doing I guess technically speaking as far as either going in the wrong direction with your picks or trying to do something with what you have so it's the KVBL there's going to be a lot of trades going to be a lot of activity so yeah that was fun talk to you later draft well peace